The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. I don't know if you're clapping me or clapping Hannah for finishing. Uh, I was going to hand her my notes. She could have just carried on, couldn't she? Great. Sounds exciting, though. I think I've once paid like 10 quid for a rice crispy cake or something. It's... um, that is in the spirit of it, isn't it, though, to be raising money for New Day. Um, my name's Natalie. It's great to be speaking this morning. I will speak a little bit about some of the projects that we've got in the church, um, but I'm not going to start there. I do want to encourage you, though, like Hannah said, to do take away that piece of paper, um, read about the projects, pray for the projects. Um, and it says on there, I think, to do that this week, but, you know, that piece of paper can go on your fridge. You'll need to turn it over from time to time, otherwise you'll be only praying for some of the projects and not all of them. Um, but, yeah, do be praying for the things that we're involved in as a church, week by week, month by month. I want to speak this morning, though, about the justice of God. So it's relevant to the projects that we're running. Uh, one of the reasons we run many of the projects that we run is because they are about bringing justice to people in our community who are facing injustice of any kind. Now, a few years ago, I got chatting to a guy who was homeless. Um, he was begging on the streets and I got talking to him and he shared some of his story with me and he talked about the fact that he's an alcoholic um, but he told me his life story and about several traumatic events that had happened in his life from childhood through into adulthood um, and pretty much his whole life had been marked by tragedy and by trauma. And one of the things he mentioned to me, um, something that he said had shaped him and had pretty much wrecked his life, is when his little sister was killed in a car accident, in a hit-and-run accident, when she was a small child. She was primary school age. And she had died, but the person who did it got away with it. The person who did it, they drove off. Eventually, they did get caught They were an upstanding member of the community, well-known in the community, um, quite a well-respected business person. And they didn't get any consequences for their actions. They got away with it. And this guy on the street told me that he basically had just never found a way to live with that. He had never found a way to understand it, to make peace with it. And from his perspective, this injustice had wrecked his life. He said that as a young boy, it just didn't make any sense to him. As a young boy, I think he said he was about seven years old at the time, his understanding of the world before this happened was that if you do things wrong, you get punished And then he found that that's not always the case. And unable to cope with the grief, with the injustice, he basically went off the rails and it wrecked his entire life. And at the point at which I met him, he was still living very much with the consequences of this injustice in his life, unable to find any peace about it at all. And and who can blame him? And I know that some of us here will be facing injustice too. There might be, even as I mentioned the subject, the justice of God, you might be sitting here thinking, I've experienced injustice. I've got situations in my life where the the wrong things have not been put right. Where someone hasn't paid 
the price that they should have paid for the wrong things that they've done. And justice is something that is hard to bear. It's hard to live with injustice. It's hard to live with unfairness, isn't it? It's hard to live with that sense of this isn't right and there's nothing I can do about it. And I think whether you've experienced a a, a serious and and hard to bear like this guy, that sort of injustice, or whether you've just experienced it in everyday life, either way, God cares about the injustices around us. God is a God of justice and he cares about every injustice. And most of us will have experienced injustice on one level or another. Maybe not as severely as the guy that I mentioned, but nevertheless, I'm sure we've all experienced it in some way. How old were you when you first learned to say the words, it's not fair? I can think of some of my friends in this church who are out in their kids' groups now, maybe five years old or so, who say it all the time. It's not fair. As human beings, we are made in the image of of a God of justice. And actually, it's something within us from the earliest age where we recognise injustice and we have this inbuilt sense of right and wrong. We know, even as little kids, when something's not fair. I mean, we don't always get it right, do we? Sometimes what we think's not fair is perfectly fair and fine. But we come with this kind of inbuilt sense of fairness and justice And it's why some things around the world are universal. So there isn't a nation in the world where murder is okay. We know as human beings, murder is wrong. And there are several things like that. Stealing, taking other people's property. There's not a bunch of people somewhere who are going, yeah, no, that's fine. That's all right. We know that these things are wrong. We know these are kind of global truths. It doesn't matter where on the planet you live. It doesn't matter what your upbringing is. We might do some of the things we know to be wrong, but we carry this sense of justice. But we carry it in a very flawed way. I don't know about you, but I really want justice when I'm wronged. I'm not always as keen on it when I'm the person in the wrong. If any of you have ever got a speeding ticket, you might know what I mean. I got a speeding ticket and I was full of all the reasons why it was okay that I'd been speeding. And I thought it was a right pain that I had to pay a fine or do a speed awareness course and all that. I didn't want justice. I'd rather have not got caught. I'd rather got away with it. I'd rather not had to go and sit in a three hour or four hour, whatever it is, speed awareness course. I didn't want justice under those circumstances. But I do want justice when I'm wronged. I want justice some of the time, but I don't want it all of the time. To be honest, it tends to depend on whether I'm the one at fault or not, or it can depend on how close I am to the victim or how close I am to the offender. Have you ever done that where you've defended someone who's done wrong because you really love them? But then you've accused someone else who's done exactly the same thing because you don't even know them or you're not close to them. My sense of justice tends to fluctuate like that. My sense of justice, if I'm honest with you, it can't be trusted because it's not consistent. 
It can even depend on how much I care about the issue. So there are some issues where I'm a bit like a justice warrior, and there are some issues that I just don't care about. My standards of justice go up and down. They fluctuate. I'm not impartial. I'm not consistent. My sense of justice is imperfect, but thankfully God is nothing like me. He's not like us. He is a God of justice, and his justice is absolutely perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Let's have a little whistle-stop through some Bible verses about this, starting off in Deuteronomy 32. First of all, I'm getting a thumbs up from Laura, who told me the way that helps her for me to announce the Bible verses I'm about to read. It says in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. All his ways are justice. All of them. There's not one way of God that isn't just, that isn't fair, that isn't perfectly just. In Isaiah 30, verse 18, it says, The Lord is a God of justice. It is who he is. It's not just something he does. It's part of his character. It's part of his nature. It is inbuilt in who he is. In Psalms uh, 37 and 33, For the Lord loves justice. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. God loves justice. It's not just one issue he cares about. He's not a single issue God. He doesn't care about one element of justice and not another. He loves justice for justice sake. Jeremiah 9 verse 24. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. He practices justice. Another translation says he exercises justice. God is not passive about it. God is active. It's something that he does. And again, in the Psalms, um, Psalm 103, it's, this is also in Psalm 10 as well. It talks about how he works and does justice. Again, not passive, but active, but particularly for those who are oppressed. God is particularly concerned about justice for the vulnerable. God's justice is wholly proportionate. Mine isn't. Sometimes I want more justice in some situations and less justice in others. God's justice is proportionate, it is measured, it is balanced, it is fair. God is not harsh on some and lenient on others. I definitely am. Definitely more lenient on myself than I am on other people, but also more lenient on those who are closest to me than I am on other people. God is not like that. He's not harsh on some and lenient on others, but also he's not harsh one day and lenient the next. It doesn't depend what mood he's in today. Some days he's in a mood to be a bit lenient, but other days he'll come down on you like a ton of bricks. No. God's justice is proportionate, measured, balanced, fair, perfect in all his ways. His justice is also all-knowing. 
God knows every version of a story. You know, sometimes you hear my version of events and then you might hear someone else's and it could be two completely different versions. God knows all sides of the story. And actually, even more than that, God knows the motives of our hearts. You know, so often when we are defending ourselves when we've done wrong, we talk about our motives. I didn't mean to. But when we accuse others, we're... We often, I don't know if you do this, like I sometimes assume the worst about other people's motives, whereas for myself, I assume the best. But God knows. He knows our hearts. His justice is perfect, it is consistent, and it is trustworthy. God is just. He loves justice, and he hates injustice. And actually, all through the Bible, we see that when God is displeased with his people, with his followers, often it's because they haven't cared about justice. Often they haven't understood what a priority it is to God to bring justice. When Jesus came, he came bringing justice. He came as a saviour, yes, as a redeemer, yes, but he came to bring the justice of God, the perfect justice of God. And through Jesus, but also through Old Testament prophets and lots of different places in the Bible, we see God calling his people back again and again. Remember, I'm a God of justice, and therefore if you follow me, you are to be a people of justice too. It's why in Micah 6, the prophet Micah says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. For those of us here who are followers of Jesus, there's this incredible call on our lives to be a people of justice, to be a people who care about putting wrong things right to be a people who care about bringing justice to those who are oppressed, those for whom life actually is unfair, and those who are powerless to change their circumstances. We are called to imitate our Father in heaven, who the Bible tells us is one day going to bring perfect justice. Actually, that day when Jesus comes back is going to be a glorious day of justice. In the Old Testament, in um, Isaiah, it talks about it as the day of vengeance. The day of vengeance, which sounds a bit scary, but actually it's the day when perfect justice comes. It's the day when Jesus will put every wrong thing right. Every injustice you and I have had to live with in our lives that we've struggled to bear will be put right one day. That is the promise of God, that we are waiting for that day when perfect justice comes. But it's not all just about that future reality that we're going to enjoy. It's also about our present day. What are we to do in the meantime? Well, the Bible says that for those of us who are Christians, we get to co-labor with Christ. Don't you just love that? We get to work with Jesus together to bring justice, to bring the kingdom of God now to our communities, even to our nation in some ways, as we have opportunity. 
Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God. Isaiah prophesied that when Jesus came, he would be a man of justice, that he would bring justice to us. And in the same way that healings and miracles are signs of the kingdom of God at work, so is justice. When we bring justice, whether in a tiny situation or a big one, actually we are bringing the kingdom of God to those around us. God calls us to act justly. He also, in Isaiah uh, chapter 1, calls us to seek justice. We're to seek justice. We're to look out for it. Again, it's this active word. Like God is active and not passive, when it comes to justice, we are to be active and not passive. In Isaiah 58, it says that we are to loose the chains of injustice. That's a different translation up there where it says loose the bonds of wickedness. But in the NIV, it talks about loosing the chains of injustice. In Proverbs verse 21, it says that um, when justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous and a terror to evildoers. We're meant to be a people who find joy in justice. Justice should bring us joy because what delights God's heart delights our hearts too. God wants us to care about justice. And, and actually, so often in the Bible, what we see is that the people of God, who even if they're very good at observing their religious duties, often neglect justice. That's what Isaiah 58, which was up on the screen a minute ago, was talking about where actually, do you know what? These are the people of God complaining to God saying, well, I, in, a, in modern day language, it would be, well, I read my Bible, I pray, I worship, I go to church, I even go to small group and prayer meetings. Look at me, God, I'm super holy. And God's like, yeah, but you've forgotten about justice and how much justice matters to my heart. And Jesus said this too. He talked to the religious people of his day, basically saying to them, you have neglected the weightier matters. You've neglected the weightier things. It's here in Matthew 23, 23 verse 23. You tithe your spices. Imagine that. So the Pharisees, they're trying to live right with God and they're counting out every measure of their spices and their mint. Glad we don't have to do that, aren't you? chopping it all up, this bit's God's, this bit's mine. But Jesus says to them, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So what does this look like in practice? What does it actually mean to bring justice to those around us? Well, there's some examples in the Bible. Isaiah 1, it talks about defending the oppressed, taking up the cause of the fatherless, when the fatherless are referred to in the Bible, it's often meaning those who literally don't have fathers, but it's also just meaning those who cannot look out for themselves, who have no one to speak up on their behalf. We are to take up the cause of those who have no one else to take up their cause. We are to plead the case of the widow. And again, like the fatherless, the widow might mean literally, but it might also mean figuratively, those who again have no one to advocate for them, who are kind of alone in their fight against an injustice. We're to come alongside. We're to be a support. We're to speak up for the vulnerable. Now, this might be in our workplaces. This might be in our own families. We're to speak up 
for those. I, in, before I worked for the church, before I worked in Christian circles, I um, was in a secular job, which I loved, but there was a woman I worked with who was always pretty much bullied by people around her. And you know what? Often I would sit there and just keep quiet. Because I didn't, you know, if I step up, then I'm probably going to get bullied too. But the more God spoke into my heart about this situation, the more I found I couldn't just sit there anymore. The more I found I had to step up and say something. And initially it would just be a little thing, you know, like a timid um, sentence of just like, oh, come on, leave it off, guys. You know, something like that. And then I'd put my head back down again and hope that didn't come my way. But over the course of time, I learned to speak up more and more and more. If, if you're in that situation, if you have someone around you who is being mistreated, step up. As those who follow Jesus, which is the majority of us in the room, take the opportunity to step up and speak out on behalf of that person, maybe in your workplace. It can happen even on the bus or the train, can't it? Often we'll see videos in this day and age on social media, won't we, where someone's being harassed or experiencing sexism or racism. These are things that God hates. And for those of us who follow Jesus, yeah, of course it's scary. It's not that just because we follow Jesus, suddenly it's not scary to speak up. But we have the Holy Spirit living in us who can give us the words in the moment. But sometimes it doesn't even matter whether our words silence the kind of injustice that's going on. All that matters is the person who's being victimised knows that they've got someone alongside who will speak up, who cares, like God cares. God will give us opportunities to speak out against injustice, whether that's just in our day-to-day lives or whether it's in our workplaces, in our own families. In Isaiah 58, it talks about other expressions of justice are sharing food with the hungry, providing shelter for those who don't have it, giving clothing to those who need it, supporting your own family members when they need it, not pointing the finger. That's a hard one. I really like the ones about sharing food and providing shelter, and then I get to the not pointing the finger and feel this, ouch, The Bible talks about coming before God and saying, search my heart, O God. To be honest, he doesn't have to spend too long searching my heart before I know I've pointed the finger. It's so easy to do, isn't it? Don't point the finger. Don't talk maliciously. Spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, it says. Spend yourselves. It's not a, well, give when you can, when you get round to it, when it feels good, when it feels like it fits in with your life. It's spend yourself on behalf of the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Jeremiah 5 in the Old Testament and the letter James wrote in the New Testament talk about one expression of justice is to make sure that you don't go on getting richer while those around you get poorer. Don't hoard your wealth when there are those around you who have needs, who need your wealth to be given to them. These are very practical but really challenging applications of what it looks like to bring justice. One of the reasons I think we don't talk about justice so much or we don't um, maybe even think about how, what does it look like for a practical application in our lives is because sometimes we don't see the connection 
between some of the things that we do or some of the things like giving food and so on, we don't see the connection between that and justice. But in the Bible, God links justice and mercy all the time. Justice and mercy are twinned. Righteousness and faithfulness, often they're right in the mix as well. Bringing justice is part of our devotion to God. It's part of our holiness to God. But sometimes we need to kind of think through issues and think, well, why is this a justice issue? It's a question that I'm trying to ask myself more and more as I read headlines. Uh, I was going to say in my newspaper, usually it's online these days. But as I read headlines, I'm asking God, help me to understand what, what's the justice aspect here? And that's something we can all do. We can all ask God, would you speak to us and help us to see what is the justice issue here? So let me give you one example. According to the Children's Commissioner for England, about 100,000 children are excluded from school in England every year. 100,000 children, that's bigger than the population of Hastings, are excluded from school every year. Of the kids that are excluded from school, eight out of ten of them are from vulnerable backgrounds. Eight out of ten of them have most likely grown up in poverty, experienced maybe racism, but definitely grown up disadvantaged in deprived communities. So basically, there's a connection there. If you grow up in poverty and deprivation or in a minority, you are more likely to be excluded from school. You see, there's suddenly you're like, hang on then, maybe there's a justice issue there. But actually, it goes on that 85% of children in young offenders' institutes were previously excluded from school. So do you see, right, so you start off, you're born into a family that's in poverty, so you didn't do anything wrong, it's not your fault, you were born into this family, or you were born into a minority in England, already makes you more likely to be excluded from school, And then if you're excluded from school, you're more likely to go to a Young Offenders Institute. The vast majority of adults in prison went to a Young Offenders Institute when they were still a child or teenager. If you grow up in poverty in this nation or in a minority, the odds can be stacked against you from the outset. That trajectory can feel like it's set over your life. And that's why one of the projects that we run in this church, TLG, you can find out about it on your piece of paper, is a justice project. If you want to find out more about it, Kate, give us a wave. Kate heads it up. She didn't know I was going to do this, but go and talk to Kate about it. Ask Kate how her team is bringing justice in the lives of kids. Because what TLG does is... Kate's team, each member of it, gives an hour a week to go and spend time with a child in primary school who is at risk of exclusion. The whole idea behind TLG is to help those kids not be excluded from school. And by helping them not be excluded from school, who knows, but we might be stopping some from going to a young offenders institute. We might be stopping some from ending up in prison as adults. Do you get the trajectory there of how... A simple way of tackling injustice can be spending an hour a week mentoring a child in primary school. I remember Kate telling me the story of one of the children that she was supporting a few years ago. Um, I think it was a seven-year-old who 
hadn't really understood how their behaviour at that age could affect the rest of their life. And at seven, why would you understand that? And that child went from getting in trouble all the time to saying, I think I want to be a police officer when I'm older. And realised that if I want to be a police officer, then I need to behave differently now. I would imagine, we don't know for sure, but that child's life has been completely transformed because someone who loves Jesus thought, I know how I can tackle injustice one hour a week, one life at a time. There's a project, uh, it's another national charity, Christian charity called Safe Families. I've just signed up as a volunteer for it. I haven't started yet, but there are some in the church who do it. That is about coming alongside families where the children are at risk of going into foster care. And the whole idea behind Safe Families is that you spend time with that family, supporting the parent or carer, supporting the child, again with the view to helping that family not end up being broken up, to helping that child not go into foster care. And that's something you can do monthly, you can do it weekly, you can do it as often or as little as you like. And again, it's another way of getting in and tackling injustice before it's even got started. Many of you, I know, will know about another project in this church called Restore, led by Anna Wilson, which is about coming alongside and supporting survivors of human trafficking and modern slavery. It is bringing justice to the oppressed. It is bringing justice for the vulnerable, and it is tackling injustice. You know, through Restore over the years, um, Anna and the team have uh, put on training for, I'd imagine it's probably about 500 police officers now, uh, council staff, frontline officers, people whose jobs actually are about bringing justice and tackling injustice, but they might not always remember that's what their jobs are about. As you get immersed in any job, it's easy to forget why you got into it in the first place or what, it's, what you're actually in it for, isn't it? And so through that training, it's coming again saying, we want to stand alongside you as you bring justice and you fight against injustice. However we do it, whatever way we find to do it, you don't have to sign up for one of the projects. It might just be in your day-to-day life. We are called to be a people of justice. We are called to care about justice like God cares about justice. I wonder if the band can come back up. Um, I can't see where any of... Oh, there's Simon. Yeah, there you are in front of me. They're all right in front of me. For those of us who follow Jesus, we have the immense privilege of bringing his justice now as we look forward to it in the future. We get to be part of bringing his justice inch by inch. Maybe sometimes it might feel like millimetre by millimetre, knowing that where we are heading towards is that when Jesus returns, every wrong thing will be put right. But we get to play a part now in putting some wrong things right ourselves. In Amos 5, it says that when the kingdom of God comes, basically justice rolls down like rivers. Isn't that just such a beautiful image? Justice will roll down like rivers. We might only be able to bring a little trickle now, individually, as a church community, but it's something that we are called to do. 
You know, if you are someone and you're here and you think, do you know what, I'm living with a heavy burden of injustice in my own life, then there's going to be an opportunity to go to the prayer flag at the end and get prayer. Please do that. Please let someone come and pray with you about the injustice that you're carrying, that you're living with. But I'd love us to respond as those who get to bring justice. And I just wonder, if you're up for actually God, I'd love to be someone who brings your justice right now. I wonder if you'd just stand. Why don't you uh, put out your hands if you're comfortable to or put your hand on your heart or whatever, whatever's your best way of you kind of saying, God, I'm here for you. I want to be part of what you're doing in our community, in our nation, on the earth in this day. God, we do love it that you are a God of justice. Thank you that every injustice we have suffered, you care about it. You are not oblivious to it. You love justice and you hate injustice. And so, God, I pray you'd help us, help us to find ways to bring justice to those around us. Whether it's through the projects that we run, and there's many I didn't mention, but God, all of them in one way or another are about bringing justice. Whether it's justice for the unborn, or it's justice for those who are just stuck, trapped in poverty and can't afford food for this week. In whatever way, God, we can bring your justice, help us to do it, God. Would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit? Would you help us to be a people who care passionately about justice? I pray you'd comfort the hearts of those who are struggling with injustice, God. But I pray you'd help us, whether we're motivated by that or whether we're just motivated by who you are, would you help us, God, to be a people of justice? In Jesus' name, amen.